Hi, everybody. This is Jack Graham along with John Peterson. Hello, hello. And our special guest today, Bill Fortney, is going to be with us to share some ideas and discussions on what we're going to talk about. I, I, I apologize to Bill because I didn't really uh, clue him in 100% of what we're talking about, but I, I, I can tell you that um, he's going to be uh, able to talk on anything here that we're going to do. So, uh, Bill, how are you doing down there? Oh, it's great to be with thunder and lightning and a low-pressure system here today. So, well, We had it yesterday. I am in New Jersey um, visiting some family this week, and we're heading down to Maryland tonight and then uh, back on uh, next Sunday. And, John, you're heading out too, aren't you? Yep, I'm making the big trip out to Rhode Island, out from Oregon, go out to Rhode Island in Maine, see some family as well. It's kind of that time of year. By the time you folks hear this podcast, John will be where he is, and I'll be where I am, and then uh, we're kind of putting this one in the bucket so that uh, we can get something out to everybody while while we're uh, traveling here. We'll get back to our normal weekly situation probably around mid uh, mid July before uh, before the crazy late summer and fall schedules kick in. Yep. But this is our 13th episode of We Talk Photo. And for all the folks who may be new to us, this is a podcast about uh, everything nature and travel photography oriented. Um, we do have a website, which is www.wetalkphoto.com, where you can send us ideas, opinions, comments, uh, and you can subscribe. Uh, we're on all the major podcast deals by now and Things are going really well. And, uh, John, why don't you lead it off in the fashion that we normally do it, some news and notes and what have you. You bet. So kind of just scanning the news the last couple of days, there's a couple of things that caught my eye. And, and uh, it's kind of interesting to, uh, you know, Instagram, social media. That's, uh, that's one of those love-hate things for me. And uh, so I, I kind of key into some of those articles and – I tell you, business owners are now starting to get more fed up with people who claim to be Instagram influencers. You know, there's this whole occupation of being an influencer. And there's a guy down in L.A., really famous ice cream truck, that uh, he now officially posted a sign and will charge influencers double. Yeah. It's a a really well-known ice cream truck down there. And uh, because everybody kept coming up asking for free ice cream because they're an influencer and he just got fed up and uh, is going to charge him double. But, you know, things are changing every almost every day in terms of how social media functions and doesn't function and does certain things and causes problems and it it also can be a good thing if you handle it right. And uh, oh, it can. Well, it was interesting to see, you know, Facebook and uh, and Instagram went down for a few days, and the Earth didn't implode. So that was a good sign. What well, did in L.A.? <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. Sorry, sorry for you folks at Los Angeles. Didn't mean any, but uh, I don't think that's why L.A. had an earthquake. Maybe it was. Who knows? You know, yeah, that's scary down there. You know. So, Bill, how are things in Kentucky? What are you doing for the summer? Uh, spending a lot of time with Chester. Um, that, that's the few people that don't know. Chester is a four-legged golden retriever. That's, uh, yes, he is. Two-legged, four-legged. Four legged. 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 Four leg
and has um, become my best uh, buddy here in Corbin. Bill's, Bill's, Bill's teaching Chester exposure and uh, and uh, and and shutter speed and aperture and ISO. That's what Chester's learning to settle. Yeah, right. Be a good yeah, thing. He's, a, he's a good buddy. You know, John, I was reading this morning that uh, I, I'm not a Mac guy. I'm still using PCs. But um, I guess they're having all sorts of battery problems with the MacBook Pro uh, 10s. Have you heard that? I've, I have heard a little bit of that, for sure. Yeah, they're overheating, they're catching on fire. I think it's the 15-inch series. So if you folks out there have one of those, you might want to double-check uh, your battery situation and get a new battery in there just to protect yourself because I think they're – I don't know if they're recalling them, but they're not shying away from admitting that there's been some major – Major problems. I mean, and all of the, you know, from phones to to laptops to tablets. I mean, we're trying to cram more energy into smaller spaces. Heat. And this stuff is just bound to happen. Heat, heat, heat. Heat, exactly. Yeah, I'm still, uh, I still run Macs on both and uh, running old school laptops, not the new generation. Yeah. So I'm thankfully fairly safe. Yeah. Hey, Bill, I have a question for you. Are you using Capture One at all for your processing? Well, I, I purchased it, and um, I'm in the process of trying to learn it. It's got a very steep learning curve. Um, I mean, the basic things that we all do is, is pretty much no different than Photoshop or Lightroom, but um, it's, it's a lot like Photoshop in that it's a very deep program with a lot of layers. And um, intended. very powerful. Yeah, and I like it, but I'm having a real difficult time getting to where I work with it fluidly. Now, do you know anything about Capture One Express? Uh, the one that I bought was, um, I think they call it Capture One Twelve. Okay, so you, you yeah, you bought the heavy version. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a light version I didn't even know about till I read about it this morning called Capture One Express, and it's for obviously just Fuji and Sony cameras, not Nikon or Canon. But evidently, Capture One Express is free. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to check that out when I have time this week, once I get to my next location this evening. Uh, I understand it's free, and I understand the raw converter is quite good. Wow, I'll uh, take a look at that. I did not read that. Yep, I saw that this morning. And then, I, bought, I bought Photoshop 6 when the whole CC thing started right. and, uh, because I wanted, I only use a small amount of what's in Photoshop and I wanted to own it so that I would not be dealing with all of that. Later, I decided to join CC to get some updates. Now, yep. I own 6. I can't get into 6 on my computer because... Apparently, Adobe knows it's there, and they're claiming that uh, because I, I did later quit the CC, I thought I didn't need it since I had six, and now six won't let me in, and I'm pretty frustrated. I don't have any idea how you resolve that. But, well, you uh, resolve it one of two ways. You either pay uh, Adobe what they want, or you use uh, Luminar or or uh, one. one or 
the various other raw converters out there. I, I'm hearing this capture one's quite good. Yeah. And frankly, the raw converter Illuminar uh, is not hard. It's pretty good. It's, it's, I find it to be really, really quite good. So, um, oh, I like both of them. You know, the thing about Post is, I, I, I guess I'm like almost everyone else. You get used to a program. You get used to knowing exactly where to go and how to use the sliders in that program. And you get to where it's easy for you. I don't do a ton of posts anyway. And after I've done what I need to do, I'm back, you know, out of it. Uh, and now having to start all over again and learn how to do the same things in a different program. And for me, the problem starts when it's how do you save the file? Where do you put the file? Uh, how do you size it? Photoshop, I thought, always had a very easy way to size files. Yeah. And I'm having a little more trouble. I love Luminar. I think it's a beautiful uh, program. But there's some things that it just does enough different that it causes me, anyway, a little bit of confusion. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. once, you, you know, once you get it, uh, understand it, and you size them as you save them. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yes, it's, it's all good, you know. But I, if you, I, I'm telling you, there's going to be a day that, I'm going to kiss Adobe goodbye, and that's going to be it. But that's one of two ways you can solve your problem, Bill, is to pay Adobe or deal with somebody else. That's all you got a choice of. Yep. That's true. That's true. And then lastly, John, I mean, you may have some more things. I, I, I'm reading that our friends at uh, Nikon are going to bring out a big new monster camera here sometime this year. You heard about that? I D- just, yeah, I did hear about that as well. Big. So, from what I hear, now to keep in mind, the D5 was, correct me if I'm wrong, I think about $5,000 retail. Yep. Am I right? It was, it was actually more, yeah, it was more than that. Yeah. yeah. So, the 6 has got to be, I don't know, I'm guessing it's going to be more than that. Maybe it'll be 6, maybe it'll be more, I, I have no idea, but... They're putting uh, image stabilization in it, from what the rumors are. They're going to improve the video, so <laughs> it'll be compatible with pretty much what we have in our Fuji cameras. <laughs> um, I think they'll put a silent shooting mode in it, like we have with our mirrorless. Even though the D6 is not a mirrorless camera, it's going to be—it's got to be huge. Uh, Bill, how could they do that with a with a camera small? I mean, you, a D five is huge. Yeah. Well, what do they think? In order to put uh, image stabilization in it, um, it's going to have to have a heavier frame and a different shutter. And it's full frame. Uh, and the sensor has got to have more room because the sensor has to be able to move. So, by necessity, uh, you would just guess. It's going to be a much larger camera, and let you say the D5 was already a center block. Um, I mean, I know the people who use that camera, that that weight is not an issue for them and size, but it's certainly, I would think it's going to grow even larger. Okay, so that in and of itself, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, let me tell you what what makes less sense. Two pages away on Petapixel, the website, after they talk about the D6, the headline says Nikon to drop a third of their DSLR models in their shift to mirrorless. 
Now, what we just said is they're bringing out a D6, okay? That's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to be big and heavy. And yet they're going to discontinue all their – I mean, it's Nikon hacked your computer after we just took them apart. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, we just had a little technical glitch, but we're back <laughs> but on again. So, yeah, so they're um, coming well, out with the 6, discontinuing their middle models and standard mirrors. I think, you know, it's just dividing the market up. There's the real high end, and then there's the latest, newest stuff, which is the mirrorless. But what it tells me, and Bill, tell me if I'm crazy, they're going to bring this new, expensive, probably be a great camera if you want to carry it around and deal with it. Um, and pay a lot of money for it. And then they're sending another message that they're trimming down their DSLR uh, thing and, and, and their shift to mirrorless. So why wouldn't they just bring out a really great mirrorless camera and not bother well, think, with a D6? I'm, I'm sure that the Z6 and 7 was their attempt to start that direction. Um, and knowing that that would be the first attempt and that they would have to update it. The issue that Nikon and, and Canon both have is that they have an extraordinarily extensive line of lenses, everything from very long glass to super wide to specialty stuff like sh uh, shift and tilt lenses, uh, a number of uh, close-up lenses, uh, all kinds of stuff, uh, an enormous line of lenses. And for Nikon, those lenses, the only way to use them with the new camera is with an adapter. Now, I have not used the new Nikon myself, and I don't know how well the uh, old lenses adapt and if they function the way you would want them to, focusing speed-wise and, and all of that. Optically, I know they're fine. Uh, they're good lenses. Um, but to me, there's a, a, a huge bet has been placed by changing the mount and not having lenses to go with the mirrorless. Um, I'm, I'm just afraid most people are probably going to try to use the adapter. Right. And if it works okay for them, then it's going to be okay. But it, it's... Um, it kind of defeats the purpose of having to use a heavy lens, a long lens. Yeah, exactly. Fuji, when Fuji came out with the X system, from the very beginning, what and I was working for Nikon when I was reading about all of this, but what interested me was that they designed the camera and the lenses from the very beginning to work with an APS-C size sensor and with a, I think it was a 10 millimeter flange distance. They developed the, um, the mount and everything and all the lenses based on this specific uh, X-Trans sensor that they were gonna use. And so it, it was all designed to work together uh, it, nothing had to be adapted. It right. was designed from right. day one to work together. And consequently, as we all know who are Fuji shooters, the lenses are spectacular. Uh, the cameras perform wonderfully. And the design is, uh, is may not be flawless. I guess nothing is. But it was extremely well thought out, and it works. It yep. really works. Yep. The problem everybody else has is they say we've got to take all of what we already have and find a way to adapt it, or everything we've already made is no longer relevant. Well, Nikon has millions, millions.
millions of lenses out there in circulation right now. Right. Um, and, and they're not really right now prepared. I looked at their roadmap, and their roadmap doesn't look that great for mirrorless lenses on their system without adapters. It's crazy. But you know what? Eventually, uh, they're either going to make it or not. And, you know, maybe by trimming down to three DSLR models and, and putting all their effort into mirrorless, maybe that's going to help them, you know. Um, well, I hope so. I, you know, having worked for Nikon and been a Nikon shooter for um, essentially 40-something years of my career. As was I. Um, um, I have a great affinity for um, the brand and for what it's brought to photography. Yep. And people forget, before Canon got to be really popular, for a long, long time, if you were a professional photographer and you shot anything except Nikon, you were suspect. Yep. I mean, it, it literally was a brand of that kind of power and acceptance. Um, and look, it's, it's a business. Uh, new guys come along, or Canon was along for a long time, but they came up with a great idea with their EOS system, and they got real aggressive. And then, it, you know, it, it was a foot. Uh, it was a real race. And the two of them beat each other to death, and they both make great products, and they both still make great products. But the market changed, and people wanted lighter, smaller cameras, and mirrorless became something that uh, has has a lot of people who love it, and there's a lot of advantages to mirrorless. But it's made it really difficult, just because you were great once, to remain great. And it's that's, that's what everybody faces now. Well, I hope that by doing this, that solve some of their problems but I don't know D6 5,000 plus gotta be heavy uh, you know I'm sure it's gonna be a great camera I, I just I, I mean you wanna carry that weight go buy a GFX 100 I mean that uh, you know yeah in fact I bet you a GFX 100 is actually lighter and smaller um, and smaller than the, the new yeah. D6. Yeah, or, I, I mean, which, of course, we're all talking about a camera we haven't seen. We haven't seen it. So. We're just going on what we're here, and what do we know? You know? Mm-hmm. What do we know? Hey, John. Let's, yes, sir. Let's just spend a few minutes. We talked about a topic for today, Bill, and we're going to just talk about uh, prime lenses versus zoom lenses. So, yes. John, you, uh, why don't you kick it off with a few thoughts and... Well, yeah, I you think know, you so understand why we use zooms and for well, sure. Well, because we're lazy, that's why we use zooms. We don't have to move our feet. That is true. <laughs> that is true. You know, I've uh, you know, growing up, uh, I have traditionally been a zoom lens shooter. I've owned primes, and I still own prime lenses. Um, you know, and largely it was a myth that, you know, there's fewer elements in a prime lens. And so conceptually they can be sharper than a lot of the zoom lenses. But when you move up into the sort of the, the quote unquote pro quality of zoom lenses, these days I don't find a lot of sharpness difference between the two. So it gets down to a matter of personal preference for me, whether I want to shoot a zoom lens or a prime lens. And trying to keep my backpack small, light, and cover as much focal range as I can, um, 
zoom lenses for me fit the bill. Jack, I know for you, you shoot more primes than I do. I am now. I, I didn't probably two years ago, but Fujifilm brought out a whole set uh, of really small primes um, ranging in size from uh, Bill on my right, 20, 21 or 21 up to really a 90 you could consider a small prime even though it's a little larger but and uh yeah and bill and i both have the all those lenses and you know uh, bill maybe you'd speak to those a little bit for us well I, I counted my lenses the other night and i was embarrassed i own 18 fuji film lenses um and i and i would actually own I sold my 50 to 140, which I think is one of the best lenses they make, but I, I wouldn't carry it in the 1 to 400 both at the same time. And I found every time I packed to go somewhere, I just went with the 1 to 4. So I went ahead and sold that one. Um, but as far as a, the difference, I, I'm, I, I agree with John. I think as far as a, a difference that you're really going to see, I think the best of the zoom lenses, and almost all Fujifilm zoom lenses are great. Um, they're more convenient, and you can cover a lot more territory. And even, I'm lazy, but sometimes you can't back up or you can't step forward. I mean, you may be at the edge of a cliff or there's a lake behind you, and um, so you, you be, having a zoom makes a huge difference in being able to frame what you want to frame. I think the big advantage for single focal length lenses is that they generally can be made faster. So it can be an F2 or an F2.8 instead of a 3.5 or 4.5 or 5.6. So there's that depth of field issue. And they can be simpler. Um, Most single focal length lenses have less elements in them. And one of the issues with designing lenses, even with the great coatings that we put on glass now, the more surfaces that there are in a lens, the more opportunity there is for um, some light to reflect back and forth and cause it not to be as crystal clear. And for that reason, sometimes I think when I shoot with my prime lenses, um, I feel like that I'm getting a little better looking images, but I don't know whether that's reality or psych- uh, psychological effect. Um, I own them both and I love them both. And- <laughs> appropriate yeah i I actually think that at f8 everything's probably pretty equal Mm -hmm. um where i see the difference you know when i shoot the aurora when i go to up to uh, iceland and norway in in the winter um my go-to lens is the 14.28 which is the equivalent of a 21 millimeter lens in full frame and you know when you shoot Aurora stars, you're pretty much wide open, so you're at 2.8, and that lens is sharper at 2.8 than a couple of the zooms are at 2.8, and a little less, a uh, little less aberration as well. But that's at the extreme, uh, wide open, you know. But I think at f8 they're pretty, pretty darn close. And, you know. You know Jack, I think the other thing I'd add into that, too, is for me, you know, shooting a prime lens causes me to it's a good thing, but it causes me to work harder. I have to think more about my composition. I have to position. What you're saying is it causes you to slow down. 
you close to you slow and be a better photographer. Bill, you were going to say something there? I'm sorry. I think we stepped on you. No, no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. You know, um, the other thing that a lot of people don't understand is that if you have a, say you have a 50 to 140 and you're at 90 millimeters at, say, F11 or F8, if you took that 90 millimeter prime and put it to F11 or F8, instead of the zoom lens, the background is going to actually look different if you walk to the same uh, place with the 90 that you don't have to walk because you have to zoom. The, your background is going to look different, and it's going to—it's. I think it's going to be a little more realistic. Um, how much? I—I I, I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to ask Bill a question because I already know the answer to this, but I, I'd like everybody else to hear it. Bill, when we run our workshops, how many people ask us? They say, "Well, you guys are shooting at f22." I thought you couldn't shoot at f22. Or you shouldn't shoot at f22. <laughs> Would you yeah. just tell them what our answer is to that? Well, for many, many years, uh, there has been this whole issue of diffraction. Diffraction is when a lens, the, um, the aperture is stopped way, way down, and as the light hits the edges of the aperture blades, um, real small, two things happen. You get more depth of field. The other thing happens is it can cause those, the light to be straight at an odd angle, and it can make the uh, resulting image less sharp. Um, now, there's several things about that. First of all, when that was first discovered, we were using lenses from long, long ago with inferior designs to the lenses we have today and inferior glass and, and not as good a coatings, multi-coatings and stuff. Um, is there, I guess the bottom line is, is there diffraction when you stop down to 22 and 32? Yes, there is, absolutely. Um, but it's not as huge a deal as it was made to be, or as it, or maybe it was in the past. Right. My, my theory is if you need the kind of depth of field that would require you to stop down to 22 or 32 if you're doing close-up work, um, if you have to have the depth of field, then you have to shoot there. I mean, it's not... Is there some slight disadvantages? Probably, probably. But I would never let that cause me not to use the aperture that I thought was correct to make the shot. Um, this gets into the area of pixel peeping. People who just worry themselves to death about any slight little thing. Right. Um, instead of thinking about composition and light and making a beautiful photograph. And I wish we could all, and I'm as guilty of that as anybody. But I wish we could all get a little further away from worrying about those kind of things. Yeah. I think we'd be better photographers if we thought more about what the resulting image is going to look like instead of every tiny little nitpicking detail. But that's part of the way things are in photography today. So. And, John, we've been together, and Bill, we've been together, where we do uh, do programs on our workshops that have to do with seeing images and what goes into making a good photograph and we go we 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 uh you know we go into that all of that kind of thinking for an hour and a half and then we go anybody have any questions and the qu first question is what filter do you use 
what 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 if I bought this camera and has this function on it? Would that help? You know, everybody's so uh, equipment oriented. Mike Motes just ran a question on Facebook that if you were moving to a mirrorless system, what would you move to? And he even said when I post something that has to do with creativity, he gets four or five answers. He got over 400 responses, Bill. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, God almighty, get out and make photographs. Well, we're so focused on gear because it's an easy thing to talk about. You know, talking about creativity is very subjective, and it's hard for a lot of people to to talk about that so we focus on the gear and the pixels and resolution and but having the best lens and the best camera in the world doesn't make a good photograph no no, yep. no, no. this so. is a great story years ago um and i don't know the details on this but i've heard the story enough times and i'm pretty certain it really happened ansel adams supposedly went to a college on the west coast and he lectured and showed his images and after his program all the questions were about what kind of camera, what kind of lens. I mean, all technical equipment-oriented questions. And it really frustrated him. So supposedly he went down to the local drugstore, bought an Instamatic camera and several rolls of uh, beer chrome fan, black and white film, went out to the beach and shot pictures and then processed them and made some prints and put them up in the classroom. And everybody was astounded. And they were even more astounded when they found out what he'd done. He wanted to make the point that it's the photographer and knowing how to use the camera and the equipment, not the particular brand or kind of lens or everything. And truthfully, I I couldn't endorse an idea that I believe in more than just learn to use what you have to the fullest extent. And uh, your equipment is never going to hold you back from making incredible images. No. but worrying about all the technical details will keep you from doing that. It will. Well, Bill, I got to tell you, and, if, and folks, if that's coming from, you know, uh, in my view, and I'm, I, I'm just going to be a little—I uh, forget what the word here—but I'm going to. Yeah, well, I'm just very complimentary because Bill is one of my my uh, mentors and one of my favorite shooters of all time and coming from him maybe those of you who are new to photography and maybe listening to this take that for for gospel because that's exactly what it is um you know what that john i think maybe um we'll put a lid on things for today and thank everybody for tuning in and thank you bill for your time and a couple things maybe a little, little business at the end um uh, we're running the Fuji Film the X and GFX Travel and Nature Photography Workshop um, next year in March in Moab, Utah. All that information's on my website, jackgrahamphoto.com, and on a website called uh, uh, xgfxphotosummits.com. Um, you can email me with information if you need for information if you need it. It's a great uh, time. It's a three-day uh, uh, experience. Uh, Bill and I will be there. Uh, a couple other ex-photographers will be there. Fuji Film corporate people, 
should be there and technical people will be there. Um, it's a great time. So that's going to be in March. And then uh, <clears throat> in November, the Smoky Mountain uh, photo, uh, is it a summit, do they call it, Bill, or is it a, a symposium? Uh, summit. You're, you're talking about the one that uh, April Love had? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, the Smoky Mountain Nature <clears throat> Photography Summit. And that's in towns in Tennessee, in the heart of the Smokies. And that is the second weekend in November. And if you just Google Smoky Mountain Photo Summit, it'll be there. Um, I think I'm going to put a link to it on my website as well. I don't know if it's there yet. Uh, so that's another thing to think about. And then, Bill, we have some openings. We've got... Uh, Michigan sold. Uh, my Teton workshop has one opening on a cancellation late September. Um, and I think we have one opening in Michigan and two openings in Acadia. And all of this is what's left for the year. Uh, and it's all on my website. So if anybody wants to come and have a great time and learn some stuff and take some great photographs, there's only a few seats left. They're on my website. We'd love to see you. Um, yeah, we have a great time. Bill, any any old news? Any new news? I think we're ready to say goodbye here for the day. No, just it's always a pleasure to be with the two of you, and uh, look forward to seeing you this fall. Yeah, and I hope you'll get up this summer and see Chester. Uh, I'm going to try to do that. I want to get out and spend a couple of days. Just you and I be fun. Uh, John, what are you off? You're off tonight or tomorrow? Off early tomorrow morning. Go right. out well, into the humidity, and uh, yeah. you know, it, the, just the one little point I was going to say. I was reading an article about iPhone photography, and you know, we all, whenever we travel for family reasons, a lot of people don't bring their cameras; they just bring their iPhones. And right. you know, for me, I've found that I I bring my XT3 with me all the time whenever I go traveling, and it's a great chance to really uh, push your creative muscles a little bit like photographing architecture harbors on the east coast sailboats stuff that i don't normally see here in uh, my neck of the woods and right. so i relish this opportunity to even though it's not a, a full-on photography trip it's a great chance to really push yeah push and flex my creative muscles with a whole new sort of either genre or just even different plants different sun coming up in the east instead of the west that looks different so you know take your cameras with you folks wherever you go and uh, don't be afraid to shoot things that are new to you because you know digital pixels are cheap they are they are believe it or not well not if you buy a d6 <laughs> very true <laughs> very true and anyway. the only other shout out I would give is for folks, uh, if you guys have any topics, things you want us to hear, want to hear about, uh, drop us an email at wetalkphoto at gmail.com. We've got a few, uh, we've got a few guests lined up coming up in the next few weeks, but uh, you're always looking for reader feedback or listener feedback. Yep. Yeah, wetalkphoto.com. Thank you all, and uh, we'll be uh, back with you in a few days. So have a great, uh, great July. All right. Bye, folks. Bye.